Hey everyone, and welcome back to BRIM, a global community at the intersection of climate innovation and justice. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from Andrew Banda, who is from Lusaka, the capital of Zambia. I can't wait for you all to learn more about him and his story. And he's also part of BRIM's new global working group, which is a small team of folks from across the world hoping to start to build climate solutions together and challenge the systems in our world. Thanks so much. Hope everyone enjoys. Great. Well, today I'm so excited to be speaking with a new friend. His name is Andrew Banda. And Andrew is from Lusaka in Zambia. And the two of us actually had a chance to meet. When was that? Was that March, April, something in there? I, I think right now it feels like a lifetime ago. Like I've known you for at least five years. But I think it, it must have been, uh, it must have been March, uh, because I remember the next time we talked is when I was in residential school um, uh, in uh, May, so it might, must have been March, definitely before I got married. <laughs> <laughs> definitely before you got married. Um, yeah. Awesome. And well, I, I remember vividly our meeting together and um, it's been exciting sort of staying in contact and um in a lot of different ways but i'm also really excited for for other people today to hear a little bit about your story um and maybe if you don't mind that might be a good place to start would you mind telling people about your experience growing up and where you're from and maybe we can we can go from there okay uh so i'm trying to collect my mind because we can we can talk for 21 hours when we're talking about <laughs> growing up <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I grew up in Osaka, so I'm born and bred in Osaka. Um, uh, I grew up in the outskirts of Osaka, uh, to, um, uh, and the way Osaka was when we were growing up, uh, in the outskirts were, were at the borderlands of what I would call civilization, because most of the time we joke here uh, in, in the civil society space about the line between the rich and the poor, uh, because uh, in Zambia and possibly most African countries, usually that line is a road, where on this road you have development on this side of the road, and on this side of the road uh, you have where poor people live. Um, so I grew up just around that line where our area was not that well developed, but it was a well-planned area. But on the other end, it was a total sort of like farmland village. So we we're pretty much uh, staying close um, to the village. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it was something which was um, fortunate for me and my siblings because uh, when I was one year, one year six, one year four actually, uh, my father died. Um, aside from the house, which he left for us to live in, and there was no income. Um, my mom uh, did complete her uh, education. Uh, her kids were just were, were at the extent where they were, they were going to complete education. 
Um, so it was that point where you were at a high and then now you're going at a low. And I think it's at that point where my mom, because she grew up in the village, she decided to start farming because you're so close to the farm. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's pretty much, I think, how I remember my, my, my childhood uh, of going to the farm, to farm really. And I remember it so fondly because uh, in, um, and this is something which our executive director says, you know, like sometimes poverty is subjective. Um, you'd find sometimes people in very poor situation as one of the happiest people um, on the planet. They don't have much, but everything they have is very authentic and something which they are connected to and they are very appreciative uh, yeah. with. And, and, and that was something which was my background of where we used to go to the farm. Of course, it was very difficult to farm. And most of the time, mom wouldn't want us when it was time for plowing the field because she would like it would distract her. Because she would like to work from morning till sunset. And for us, we'd be like, we're tired. We want to go home. <laughs> but she would, probably, she would mostly want to use us during harvest time where we, we, it's just putting at the harvest in the sack and putting it on your head and coming back uh, the rain would find us sometimes, we'd get uh, rained upon, um, and when we'd start uh, eating the food from the farm, sometimes we'd joke around the table with my siblings and mom would be like, you know, we eat a lot of vegetables, one time we'd turn green. Um, so it, it's all happy <laughs> memories, <laughs> I guess. Um, just uh, trying to uh, sort of uh, re, uh, go through this this life and it's something which again i am so thankful for growing up that i grew up that way uh because we did not grow up hungry and my mom was was able to produce that food for us to uh, cover us for most of the year uh we were able to obtain an education so it's something where i connect my childhood and my ability to reach where I am now and what I have now to the land which provided for us and to get where we are now. So that's a bit of my childhood background. Um, awesome. It's still. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And I, I think one of the things that the two of us have connected on is um, you know, our, our love and, and connection to the land. Um, you know, me, it's been more of a recent relationship, you know, as someone who grew up in New York City on concrete, it's a very different childhood growing up and, um, but now sort of for, for my perspective, arriving at that, uh, you know, more special relationship with, with the land around me, um, have definitely been inspired by you in that regard. Um, and then I guess fast forwarding a little bit. Um, you know, when we met in March, I came to, to your office at um, the Alliance for Community Action. Um, and I was wondering, could you tell people a little bit about the organization there and, and some of the stuff you're working on? Okay, um, definitely. Um, uh, our, our work is something which... Um, I think there's been phases in my life and uh, the work which we do at the Alliance for Community Action is basically uh, pretty simple. 
um, and it can be distilled, I think, in a few sentences. Um, so at the Alliance for Community Action, we use what is called the rights-based approach, uh, which was developed uh, and refined by an organization called PSAM at Rhodes University. And so what the rights-based approach pretty much says is that as individuals, we all have rights. Um, but that, just because we have rights, doesn't mean that those rights uh, automatically translate into things which are happening all over. Just because uh, I have the right to education doesn't mean that uh, there is a school, there's a teacher and there are resources for me to, yeah. uh, to access. Um, so basically we look at that in the same way, say um, all the citizens in our country, Zambia have rights and it's the obligation of uh, governments to turn these rights into something which citizens can interact with uh, capabilities. Um, so our organization wants to educate uh, citizens on this uh, nuance of saying you have rights and it's the these are the responsibility of governments. And if you don't speak up, uh, then uh, government will not do this because we always tell them to say we are just a small organization, we can easily be dismissed. Uh, the president can just say, uh, who are you? Which people do you represent? So we uh, don't really look at ourselves as being the voice of the voiceless, rather uh, our, our role will look at it more of empowerment. Uh, to empower the citizens to know what's owed to them so that they can speak about the things uh, which are owed to them. And we try as much as possible to also provide them with evidence so that when they're interacting with their elected leaders, it's more like, uh, based on this, what's, what's the progress with that? Um, so that's basically the central core of what we try to do to ensure that there's this mass uh, citizen and all the uh, the projects or the initiatives that we try to come up with are all trying to drive at this central core. Fantastic. And I, I think one of the things that has inspired me most, um, and I, I remember writing it down vigorously when we were in person together, but it's this concept of citizen journalism, right? And that's been one of the underpinnings of a lot of how BRIM is starting to operate and, you know, how we think about um, storytelling as well. And that's something I've, I've learned from you. Uh, so would you mind giving people a little bit of a concept of what citizen journalism means? And I, I think it plays into your, your thesis of empowerment and having people speak up for their own rights in their own ways rather than it needing to be the Alliance for Community Action necessarily doing it for them. But hopefully I'm on the right track there. And then yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so yeah, that's I, I think from from that core is um that's that's just a way. Uh, you know there's something which is empowering about being able to tell your own story. Um, because when you tell your own story, you tell, tell it right. Um, so I, I think even from the people who developed the concept of a citizen journalism, which the ACA sort of like just jumped on it and said, we're going to run with this. Um, 
I, I think went with that because I saw, because I've been following the, the war in Ukraine and citizen journalism as well was playing a role into that about citizens trying to uh, record the war crimes which were, being, mm -hmm. uh, which were being done there. And uh, before that, it wasn't such a huge concept. Uh, and people were even trying to be very dismissive of it because they just wanted uh, traditional journalists to go in, pick the stories and tell the stories. But there is something very, very empowering about uh, being able to tell your own story because only you know the context and nuances and the things where to place an emphasis and where to undertone and all that. So all that mm -hmm. come out truly when uh, you tell your own story. And when it comes to citizen journalism, it, it tries to carry that, that essence. Um, so when it comes to how the SEA has been doing citizen journalism is that basically we've been trying to get people who, young people especially, to tell stories about service delivery issues in their own areas. And then these stories are broadcast on their local radio stations to the local leaders who are there. And then they go and interact with the local leaders uh, to ask them questions about these issues. And then these local leaders have to provide these answers and they also know that this story will be aired on radio stations so they know that immediately this air people will start asking questions so mm -hmm. that's something where like there is a lot of power where it's not just the SCA going to some remote part of Zambia and saying you do not have water but it's actually someone from there going around documenting that there's no water or documenting that there is dirty water going to the official in charge, asking that official what's up with this dirty water when it's going to be resolved, packaging that story and then airing it out uh, on local radio stations. So it, it makes those people who have entrusted power uh, to task because they know that, oh, now people are following up. This is not about this small organization com coming to bully us, which we can totally dismiss. This is now the people who we report to, who will come and vote for us again, who are now asking um, the right question. So in, in essence, I think that's that's the spirit of citizen journalism and what we've been trying to do as the Alliance for Community Action. So we've been trying to do this since right. 2015, and um, it's something which we're we are totally still doing. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can't, you know, I can't begin to tell you how important that flip of the switch was for me to learn, because I think, you know, as, as folks who follow Brim already know, um, you know, the first year, the first season of, of stories we told, you know, were through my voice, right? And I'd be going and I'd be meeting people and, you know, we'd do interviews together, but then, you know, I'd write these case studies, you know, about their stories, um, and while I, I hope I did an okay job, to your point, there are some things that I can never communicate in the way that someone who's telling their own story can communicate, right? And I, I love the way some of the things you said around, like, where, where do you place an emphasis, right? Like, wh where do you hone in on what's important and what's not? Um, there are some nuances like that, that only come through when someone's telling their own story. So um, I think that that's been a really important learning for me personally, um, but then also just an, an exciting next chapter for, um, for storytelling in general, especially around the climate crisis. Like you said, you know, use the example of water, right? Um, 
No, there's actually an activist from uh, from Zambia, uh, Bwalia Kampamba, that I met in Lufanyama actually when I was up there, wow. and he sent me a whole documentary this week on water pollution, which I need to send to you. Um, but almost another great example of people in a local community using different types of media, right? Video, like writing, um, to yeah. bring that story forward. So um, very, very cool. And I know one of the other things you're involved in, switching gears a little bit, is this, this group you've been telling me about called African Crossroads. Um, and I know this is sort of a multinational group in, in Africa. Um, would you mind telling telling me a little bit about it and then sharing with everybody a little bit about what it is and what you're working on there? All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so African Crossroads, uh, well, at the, at, the, at the point, we are also at a, a, a juncture where we're trying to redefine it. Uh, but the spirit behind it pretty much is uh, different Africans in different disciplines trying to talk about issues which are facing um, Africa. And climate change has been um, a, a, a big issue around, um, at that. So what the African Crossroads basically is, is that it has annual gatherings and then throughout, the idea is to promote collaboration, is to uh, promote participation, uh, to encourage uh, uh, interaction amongst uh, all the, the members. So we, it first started out in 2019. Um, so it's supposed to be held in, uh, in a different uh, country each year. So the first uh, iteration of it was in uh, Marrakesh, uh, Morocco. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it was being held, that's when I first heard about it. I was at a meeting with uh, one of the uh, sponsors uh, who are also the initiators of uh, the, Af the community, uh, HIVOS, uh, HIVOS, but for this one was HIVOS Southern Africa. And uh, so they were talking about it. I was like, oh, what's, what's this thing? Uh, and then um, the second uh, one came out, which was happening in Kenya, Mombasa, beautiful, hot, Mm -hmm. and wet city like i've never been hot and wet at the same time it was <laughs> <laughs> it was very confusing it was raining but very hot i was very confused uh but it was a wonderful uh gathering i remember being just overwhelmed by the number of people who i met the different fields the different expertise uh the different viewpoints uh, the discussions, I think it was very, very amazing. And it's one of the few, I, I, I think, uh, communities which is Africa-centered at uh, trying to develop and raise this sort of like Africanism where mm. uh, different Africans in different parts are working together and collaborating on, uh, on different projects. Um, so it was a very interesting one from there because I, I double a lot into um, uh, visual illustration when it comes to infographics. Uh, so I met up with someone from Nigeria uh, who later went on uh, in 2021 to collaborate on a project called Tipende where we're teaching our young people in Zambia on how to tell stories using data. Um, and that was through uh, the community as well. 
And then the, since we, we didn't have, in 2021, because of COVID, we didn't have a gathering. So we had these collaboration grants, which I did uh, with uh, my Nigerian friend, uh, uh, called Tipende. And then, so Tipende pretty much means let's count. Um, and then after that, the next year, I was also uh, lucky enough to be chosen to be one of the uh, climate uh, fellowship um, uh, awardees of, uh, under the African Crossroads, uh, which was a hybrid climate fellowship. And uh, under that, I got to implement a, a project, uh, which uh, is one of many, I hope, where I think from there, that's when my focus even shift of where my focus more aligned. I think this is where you can see how the ACA has influenced me uh, because mm -hmm. my focus again started looking at how, how can you build a mass, uh, mass movement of climate activists. Uh, you'd have to make ordinary citizens understand what climate change is and how climate change affects them. And how can you do that? So I think that was the first project which I did to try and answer that question. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when it comes to climate change, I, I think that's the direction which I want to take. Uh, rather than be the lone activist on the moon uh, shouting, uh, <laughs> War is coming, war is coming. I'd rather spend uh, a lot of my energy uh, trying to make ordinary citizens understand what this climate change means to them and how it will affect uh, them. So I did that uh, with other um, uh, fellows who were selected from different countries, others from Nigeria, uh, Uganda, Zimbabwe, uh, Tanzania. Um, and they were all doing different uh, projects. So it was, it was a very, very uh, great experience uh, doing that. And the community continues to evolve and it continues giving. Uh, one of the things which I love, which they will start doing, and I think I'll pursue them on, on that, is what they call the virtual clinic. So now they want to push uh, collaboration. So uh, what the virtual clinic basically does is trying to connect what you need with someone who might have it in the community. Maybe it's expertise, uh, advice, or maybe you are facing a problem and uh, you want to be connected to someone who might be able to talk to you about how they uh, went through that uh, perceived um, uh, challenge. So that's something which I'm, I'm excited about because I think Collaboration literally, I think, builds us, and it's something which is I'm always looking forward to. Awesome. And what was that called? The Vetro Clinic? Yes, Vetro Clinic. Awesome. Well, the more I learn about this African Crossroads Coalition, um, the more it's re reminding me of this global working group that's starting to come together in different ways. And um, you know, I, I love sort of everyone has a, a little bit of a different discipline in the group. Um, but when you interact together, you, you create this intersectional kind of force that can do a lot of different things really well. Um, so I'm really excited to hear more about that. I also forgot that you were the awardee for the climate fellowship and that's where the, the data visualization came from. Is that where I'm remembering? Um, 
Yes and no. So I was awarded twice under the African Crosses, once in uh, 2020, uh, that yeah. was the visualization uh, okay. project. And then in 2020, uh, uh, sorry, once in 2020, wait, when 2020, <laughs> once in 2020, yeah. and another time in uh, 2021, yes. Okay. So these two years. So awesome. I even mixed up the days. Um, I was, I, I can blame COVID on that. Uh, I was <laughs> yeah. in Mombasa in 2019, not 2020. Okay. And African Crossroads uh, started in 2018. Cool. Well, I'm really excited to to keep up to date with what you all are working on, and and maybe there are some some fun synergies that we can start to to collaborate on on different projects and etc. Um, and I know that there's something new also for you in the works. Um, yes. And I also know that it's you know very early stage, um, but. <laughs> I've been excited to to learn more about it as you've been pulling the pieces together. So um, however much you feel comfortable to share, I'd love to learn about this new initiative that you're building. Um, and, you know, yeah, however much you are are ready to, uh, to, to put out. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, um, so I have... I think I have over the years been thinking about how best um, can I contribute um, to development overall, um, because I'm, I, I, I'm someone who is very passionate about the development of uh, Zambia. Uh, and also I have a bias towards the development of the Southern region of Africa, but still love the entire Africa. But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe just to explain a bit, uh, yes, we do love ourselves, but Africa from the outside might look like one, but uh, usually it's grouped in four parts. Uh, there's the east, north, uh, west, and south. Uh, mm -hmm. And the way these are grouped, that's how uh, much related they are to, to each other. So. Uh, I have more, I'm more related in language and culture to people in Southern Africa than I right. am related in language and culture to other parts uh, of Africa. Um, so, and most of the Bantu speaking, what we call the Bantu speakers are in Southern Africa, uh, some in East Africa, but the majority are in Southern, um, Southern Africa. So that's where I come from. So I have been beating myself up on how best um, I would want to sort of uh, contribute to the conversation of development in Zambia, the conversation of development uh, in Southern Africa. Uh, so over the years, I've been chatting with my mentor. Uh, I, I think that's where the idea came from uh, in his on, on his couch uh, back in 2019. I was talking over it for hours and hours, hours and hours, week after week, and eventually started uh, molding into something which I wanted to, uh, to do. Um, so that idea culminated into uh, an organization, which I will soon be co-founding with other uh, passionate young people and uh, people who really support uh, young people. And the aim is really looking at uh, youth development holistically and 
Uh, and from the onset, we are totally agreed that climate change was something which was going to be very big because it affects young people now uh, and it will also affect um, the young people of tomorrow. Um, so the idea around this is just basically to facilitate um, the trainings, which in my view, sometimes don't reach the intended targets um, because most of the time, and I am from civil society uh, space, I see this a lot. Like when you go to workshops, you see the same faces, they're attending the same trainings, and in your mind is like, haven't you learned this 10 times already? Can't you bring a friend <laughs> <laughs> who didn't know it? So I, I wanted to create an organization which can facilitate for other people who are doing amazing things to reach other people in parts of Zambia where they've never even heard of. Uh, and also to connect those people to information which will also transform their lives on how they can approach development, on how they can approach uh, social issues. And um, so we, we, we came together and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, currently, we are in the middle of our sort of our steering uh, development plan on how we want to approach it. Um, but it's, it's a hub and it will have multiple hubs across, across the country. Uh, we already have uh, possible hubs already and we've, uh, we've talked with uh, possible collaborators uh, in um, three provinces now. And we hope awesome. uh, by the time we launch next year, uh, we'll be launching on a high, but definitely it's something which I want to pour. I just want to pour myself uh, into it. Uh, I think I think about it a lot lately, so it's something which I'm definitely excited about. Awesome. Well, I can I can see you smiling, <laughs> and the joy for what you're working on is flowing out of you very naturally. And that means a lot. Um, and thank you for sharing a little bit about that. And I, um, for something that is so early stage and early on, it seems like you have a lot figured out. <laughs> I know that there's a, a long <laughs> process towards getting from an idea to something that's actually happening on the ground. And so, um, it has been a long time coming and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's time. It's time. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me today. Um, I think I only have one more question for you and it's a little bit outside of the working world. Cause I, um, I see this coming through as I get to know you more, but um you share with me that you also have a love for theater and acting. Yes. And I also, I want to ask about that too, because one, I'm sure it's a part of, you know, who you are as a person and what you enjoy doing and maybe your spare time. But I also think there's such an important role for, um, for artists to be activists in their own ways. And so I'm curious, first of all, um, sort of, how you got into theater and um, maybe also then how, how you see that tying into a lot of other stuff that you're, you're doing. Definitely. I think um, <laughs> I, I always joke that I'm, I'm a retired actor 
uh, <laughs> a very young retired actor. Yeah. <laughs> very young retired actor. Um, I, I think creativity and especially theater um, was was and still is a large a large part of my life. Um, I started out with theater in 2011. Um, maybe 2010, um, when I was still in high school, I completed high school in 2011, uh, 2010. By 2011, I volunteered for an organization called uh, Barefoot Theater. Um, so the um, ethos of Barefoot Theater basically is to use theater to communicate uh, difficult, difficult things uh, to audiences who might not be receptive if you said it to them directly. But if you use theater to communicate it to them, they might be able to join in the fun, but also go back uh, thinking about, uh, about that thing. And so I joined that space. And from the onset, I merely just wanted, because I was good with IT, I merely just wanted to be like behind the computer, working out stuff and learning and all that. But very soon I was thrown into the fire because you can't be at bare feet and not, <laughs> not be thrown into the fire. Um, very soon I was helping out with small production, um, interacting with different because each year there'll be artists from different uh, countries coming in as exchanges, so interacting with them, uh, learning about different uh, places, learning about different people. Uh, very soon I was thrown into acting classes, which Biafit was doing, different workshops, so I got involved in different, uh, different art uh, themes. I think this this is the time in my life where my creativity really sparked um, at, at, at Barefoot. And not only did it spark, I think this is the time when uh, I felt confidence in my, my, my own voice because uh, like the former creative artistic director used to say, there used to be something about after a performance and then you are done and then you are having that standing uh, ovation from everyone. It's such a, a booster to your confidence and then you just tell like, ah, you did it. Um, so I, I think through my years with Barefoot, not only did it develop my creativity, uh, my storytelling skills, because most of what I do when it comes to storytelling has roots uh, from their feet, but it also developed my self-confidence. I think when it comes to theater, especially more than any other art, it really forces you to be uh, not really a people person, but to be someone who can present your idea without trying to run away after saying two sentences. So it's something which really built me up uh, in, in that area and also be confident in my voice. Yeah, that's so well said. And, you know, being out on a stage, you have everybody looking at you all the time, yeah. right? <laughs> you, you have to be confident in yourself and um, in what you're in the story that you're sharing, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's one thing about that, which was also called it was called an ensemble. It was it was also about family. Um, it was about uh, because we also used to do a lot about sensing sure. what the other people want want to do so yeah. it was also about being in tune with everyone else what everyone is doing and being uh, present so you really taught me on how to be mm -hmm. present as 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 well 
and it also boosted me. Um, I was looking at the, the time when we were meeting with the other co-working uh, members. I was looking at um, that document you, uh, you made me read, and I was, it actually brought me back to bare feet. And I was like, huh, uh, you know, without reading that document, that's basically what bare feet <laughs> forced oh. me to, to, to understand and forced me to believe in and made it part of me of trade of of things where because sometimes we are too we believe too much in our ideas that we try to oppress anyone else who has a different view mm. uh, but at their feet you were forced to accept everyone's uh view mm. and offer con constructive um opinions uh towards that there's also this thing of where when you enter the theater training area, you could be the son of a president, son of a king, minister, but when you are there, you are all children on the playing ground and you're just mm. playing. So it used, to, it used to be very fun. Well, I love that. And um, as someone who has a love for theater myself, I, I can definitely share, you know, you have a level of self-confidence you get from it, but then I think you said it so perfectly that you also learn what it means to be a part of a team and to be a really good listener and to be present, especially because if you're not present in a role, the audience will know. <laughs> and you won't get you won't get the applause at the end. So, uh, well, anyway, lots of amazing lessons that I've already learned from you and that I I look forward to to continuing to learn as we as we as we work together in the future and um thank you for taking the time to share your own story with everybody um and you know i, I can't wait to see you know the, some of the stuff that you're building how that all takes off and um you know i'm i'm sure everyone else will be will be paying close attention too so thanks so much for your time andy is there anything else you know before we before we head out that you want to make sure people know about maybe something that's coming up for you or any final words oh can be as uh, random as you want or you can say no, no yeah we're done <laughs> <laughs> no final words really um yeah i i i i think pretty much excited to i think everyone who will listen in if you want to connect um i'm sure you put some of my contact details in the um yeah, in the description, uh, but pretty much excited, I think, to um, to do what I have planned. Um, I I don't know. Recently, I've just been having this excitement, like anything is possible. Uh, it's now or never, and I think that's something which I would want to uh, give back to anyone who's listening to say, you know, anything is possible. It's now or never. Um, just just get started with what you want to start and it's it will turn out all right awesome amazing words thank you andy and we'll talk soon thank you we'll be back